welcome to episode 29 of Fitness Unfiltered. I'm Jocelyn Thompson-Rule and today I get to speak with my amazing friend, Naya Patel. Um, Naya has been a PT in the fitness industry for two and a half years now. Uh, for some, that may seem like a short amount of time, but actually the life experience that Naya has brought into her coaching um, and her relentless focus on her vision has meant that she's achieved an incredible um, amount in that short space of time. And that um, does not mean that she has not been faced with many a door um, shutting also within that period. Um, So we talk about how she got started, um, what her biggest lessons have been so far, um, how does she know when she's making the right decision, what frustrates her now still, um, and again, just what her vision is for the future in the fitness industry. I loved recording this episode. I think you will. I think you will love it. I know you're going to love it too. Um, As ever, if you do enjoy it, I would love for you to leave me a review on iTunes. Enjoy the show. Naya, my love, how are you? I'm so well. How are you? I'm very well. As you know, we started recording this late because I tried to squeeze too much in, it seemed. <laughs> What's changed? Nothing uh, new. You know, you know. So, Naya, tell people who you are and mm. then we will get started. Okay, so I am a coach. I work in the boutique fitness industry, um, have been doing so for two years been qualified for two and a half. So I'm relatively new into the industry, but I have been on a massive journey just to get there. I used to work in the events industry for 15 years and my life pretty much transformed after I hit rock bottom. Um, I worked for an incredible agency, but very much lived to the work hard, play hard tone, which had really bad effects on my health, just was desperately unhappy in a really bad place. And physically, I was not in a good place. But I came to a pivotal moment in life where I had a real wake up call in that if I didn't change things as in right then, then I might not be here for too much longer. So I decided to quit my job as much as I loved it um, and took a break from life, traveling, the world, focusing on health, though, not just traveling for fun. It was really important to sort my health out. And to me, that had to be a physical journey as well as a mindset journey. So I decided to travel Asia, focusing on my health, getting healthy. And somewhere along the way, I lost eight stone um, and found my happiness. And I found my purpose, which was evidently the fact that I could inspire others to believe that they could do anything and that they could find strength in their struggles. And Mm -hmm. that is how I started my journey to becoming a coach. Amazing. An eight stone, like Mm. that is a lot. It's a whole human. Yeah, it's a whole human. Mm -hmm. And it's, but it's a lot of work, obviously, physically, obviously, physically to lose that but mentally as well, more work, would you say, or equal between the two? Oh, so much more. The physical isn't the hard bit. And I think Mm. I left the UK with my bags thinking this was a physical thing. I had to get physical 
like I had to lose the weight to get physically fit and healthy on the inside. But I had absolutely no idea the journey I was about to take because as my late aunt always used to say, everybody carries their baggage. It's just that on some people you can see it. And that was me. I carried my emotional and my mental baggage on my body. And it was clear as daylight for everyone else to see it. So, Mm. yeah, it it was a real journey. I know it sounds cheesy, but it was a journey of discovery. And I'm just like so proud that I was able to find everything in terms of all the battles that I had faced, but I had never faced. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And when you say um, it was clear for everybody else to see it, do you mean that for you, you were in such a spiral Mm. that you didn't notice yourself? And so by that, I mean, were other people concerned about you or did they express concern about you and you didn't see that or were you aware of that at the time? I'm I'm kind of jumping way ahead of the gun here, but you've already caught Mm. me in your intro, so let's just roll with it. So uh, when I say everybody else, I don't, to, to most people, they had no idea. I was this confident queen to them because I'm, I've always been sociable and bubbly. But when I say everybody else, I'm talking about my closest. They all knew, but there's only so much the people that you're surrounded with can help you with. You know, I think weight is one thing. Carrying so much excess weight is is only part of it. But they could tell in my behaviors, you know, the late nights, the when you're sort of excluding yourself from, you know, family dues and just seeing people, but throwing yourself into work where you think it's you aspiring to, you know, deliver your dreams, your goals, your aspirations. To me, all I could see was the next career ladder progression, but I had no idea that it was all a way to numb the pain. I had no idea. Right. Not really. Right, right, right. Not not until it got to... Yeah, not until it hit rock bottom and I knew there was something wrong with me. Yeah. What was that rock bottom, if you if you don't mind sharing? No, not at all. I think it came one night. I had basically done two big events back to back, one in the Philippines and then I was in Washington living out of a suitcase for months and I got back exhausted and I had to work on a pitch. Now, when I say I had to, there's nobody holding a gun to your head. I was just this yes person to everything because I thought Mm. that's what I had to do to prove myself. And it was a great, great distraction from everything I was, you know, trying not to face. And it came one late night and I just remember working on a pitch and I hadn't finished in terms of working with all the creatives and all the text until midnight. And I realized I had a good three or four hours worth of work ahead of me to get the proposal ready. And I remember just looking out and just seeing a sea of green bottles. They were beer bottles. It was our way of working late into the night. And I just realized, is this what my life has come to? And I think that was probably my first big breakdown. And I just thought to myself at that moment, that if this is it, like, what am I doing? And Mm. I was like trying to picture myself following in the steps of other people that I looked up to who were four or five years ahead of me. And I just thought, I don't want to be them. And then it hit me in that moment when I realized that I don't think I'm even going to make it to then because I've been in and out of hospital. I've had all sorts of issues. And that was that moment of realization where you don't think you're going to be around, but you actually 
are happy or you don't care. And that was my trigger of, wow, I'm in trouble. And then it must have been the powers above looking down on me because that weekend I ended up in hospital not very well. It was just an infection. It was nothing serious. But I remember what it did to my mum. And she, like, she didn't show it. But I just thought, like, no mother should have to go through that to see your child physically so ill. And that's when I realized that I had to do something and it wasn't ever for me. It was for my family more than anything. And I was hoping that along the way I would find my own zest for life again and my own purpose. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Um, And so, so then how did the, obviously, so you went through this whole process of healing yourself in many respects so how did the coaching start? How, what was the transition between your journey and now, I guess, the start of your coaching journey? Mm. It actually happened whilst I was in Thailand. So it happened in the last month of me being there where, we, and that's what part, that was part of my journey. I, I was at a retreat. Um, they asked me to do talks because my journey was such a big one. And there were so many people asking, how has she done this? So Mm -hmm. they asked me to start doing talks. And I realized the first time I did the talk, it was pin drop silence for about an hour. And there was me thinking, oh, my God, everybody's so bored. But they were captivated. And I think that was my first realization is that I actually have a story that relates to everybody, regardless of what your size is. There were people that were corporate burnouts. There were people wanting to make changes, people that had dealt with grief as well. Mm. So I was watching it and you have the feedback. But the thing that struck me was the next day, everybody decided to walk to the gym. And, you know, personally, but walking has been a massive part of my journey. That was my Mm. therapy. That was the extra activity I did outside the gym when everybody else was sunbathing I was walking for hours around Phuket getting lost but it was actually therapy I wasn't doing it for Mm. steps and Mm. I realized that I had influenced everybody to walk to the gym rather than get on the tuk-tuk and the owners of the retreat were like we've never ever had anything like this before and every time I did the talk people started walking or they started doing things that I had encouraged for example why are you going to the gym? Just go to the beach, play, play in the water, walk along the beach, go and get a kettlebell, walk Mm. to the beach with the kettlebell and swing it and have some fun. And people were doing Mm. things and thinking outside of the box. So rather than just sweating and killing yourself and doing it for calories, they were doing it for a different reason. And that's when it hit me that I could maybe do this as a profession. For Mm. me, it was all about community, my journey, to bring people together, to get people moving, because they had been there for me more than anything. That's what had made me get through my journey. I had 20 odd coaches that had seen me through it, but I also Mm. had about 300 individual people from around the world that I had met that had encouraged me my whole journey. So now I realized leaving Thailand a, I can do this because I am inspiring people to move. And mm. B, I have to give back to this community that have saved me. That's mm. what I did. So I came back to England and I decided I was going to be a coach. But then that's always met with flaws in itself. I landed and I was absolutely adamant on what I was going to do. All of the coaches from Thailand had told me I could do it. I believed it. 
but something happened in England that I was not ready for. And it was one comment that threw me when mm-hmm. I told somebody who has been part of my life, a very, very, you know, somebody who's really close to me and she's kind of seen my journey through with me. I'd said to her, yeah, I'm going to be a coach. And she's like, Oh, do you think a tubby trainer can be successful? And it was like, no words. Yeah. And like automatically you're, you're defensive because you're like, yeah. And what? And like, I wasn't fat or tubby. Like how rude (laughs) I looked, you know, you know, I was healthy. Why were you looking at my body? And yeah, but it did affect me, you know, subconsciously it got into my head and that was the start of a whole fluid domino effect of self doubt. It just started with that one comment. And Mm -hmm. I don't think it helped in other regards because, you know, it carried on for a long time before I even got into the industry. So that was the first thing that stalled me from getting my qualification. So there Mm -hmm. started my journey of, okay, here we go. I've got to just lose a couple of stones and get a bit more ripped. That's how we started. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, I bought six months, I think, just to even start my PT qualification. And the thing that changed it was actually coming to your Women in Fitness Summit. It was the first one. And Mm. seeing the panelists that you had at the time, I remember it so, so vividly because they, I mean, all your speakers hit me, but Kim, Mm. listening to Sonia, to T, they were all people that I aspire to be like, not as individuals, but they all worked in fitness, delivering boutique classes, community events. That's Mm. what I wanted to do. And I heard their stories and I realized, you know what? Uh, No, nothing's going to stop me. Every trainer faces insecurities. I'm looking at them seeing perfection. Even they've had doubt. Even they've realized that they can't do it. And I remember this one thing, talking to Kim afterwards, telling her that story. And she said to me, like, you will always have people that won't want to train with you, but you don't have to worry about them. You find your crowd, you will find them. And that was it. And you solidified that. You told me it's not going to be easy. And I didn't know you very well then. And you were like, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. It's going to be really hard. This is a tough industry, but if you want it, I promise you, you'll get there. And that was it. The next day I signed up and Mm. I started my 12 week intensive course and got my qualification. Oh, that all just made me feel quite emotional. <laughs> remembering that remembering that first summit, remembering all yeah. of those speakers and just, mm. you know, even where they all are individually now, Sonia has the blessing of, you know, she's being pregnant. She's carrying her first child. Oh my beautiful. God, I didn't know this. Yes. Oh, um, that's gorgeous. Kim is killing it as mm. an Apple trainer and T is just absolutely dominating in her work I'm actually going to get her on the podcast but you know if I think of where everybody was then and they had their heads down and they were focused on their work and they carried on Mm. yourself included and to now look at that same group of women now Mm -hmm. and just go fuck me excuse my French but (laughs) I know look at them so amazing to see and you, like, it's just amazing yeah. to see. And um, now I want to kind of just backtrack a little bit on a couple of mm. points that you made. So one of the things that you said that after you were giving these talks in Thailand, 
that people started walking or doing something different than just going out and working out in the gym. And it seems like you inspired in them their why to a degree, because as you said, they weren't just going there, going, doing the workouts aimlessly, like this kind of just going through the motions. You actually gave them purpose to what they were doing. And that changes everything. Mm. Because if you're mindlessly going through because you just are, then the connection is lost, isn't it? A hundred percent. On that journey. So it just sounds like you gave them a little bit more of their own why, which is such a gift. And it's something that you do anyway, I think, with with everybody who comes into contact with you. But it's, it's just so important. And then the other piece that I wanted just to briefly touch on was your journey itself there was very much your journey. It was very much an internal journey. And whilst you were there, you obviously grew phenomenally in terms of you know your own self-belief physically you changed like just a huge amount of change and you had a huge amount of support around you and you were ready and you this was it you were going to go for it this is what you were going to do because you were surrounded by you know not only your own self-belief but the belief you know of others around you Mm. and then for you to come back to the UK taking that strength with you, taking, you know, that support system with you from from others around you. And to hear that friend of yours, for that friend of yours to bestow their doubt upon your dream. And it's just that real, you know, internally, you did the work. And that's the hard work, always, because it's relentless, that voice in your head. But it seemed like, you know, internally you were so strong until you had that one external piece of self-doubt that just threw you, which then speaks to the importance of surrounding yourself with people who lift you up. Yeah. Because the self-doubt is big enough (laughs) on its own. Yeah. Let alone somebody else coming. And it's never about you. It's always about them. Mm Mm-hmm but it doesn't feel like it at the time when it, no. when it hits. It's just, it's so, so interesting. And, you know, you know, we were just on a call uh, last night with um, yeah. Michelle Griffith-Robinson on our Be The Change mentorship. And, I mean, it, Michelle is the person to tell you to work with your own damn purpose. Yes. Slay in your lane are her words. I mm. <laughs> love it. And... She's just so good at talking about, forget about anyone else's doubt. It's you. It's your journey. Write your own damn story. And that is something that you, like, in a relentless fashion, I'm not sure I've ever met anyone who has had as many knockbacks as Mm. you have. Yeah. And you have stood back up and you've gone, come at me. There's nothing you can do come at me. And it's just such a beautiful thing to watch. What were your, let's just talk about where you are now. Obviously, you know, we are still in the middle of a global (laughs) pandemic, which obviously hit the industry very hard, hit the fitness industry very hard, hit, hit the world hard. Where are you right now? And then we can dip in and out from there. 
Yeah. So I have decided to take a real focus on boutique fitness world. Interestingly, I think I've also had a bit of self-doubt sometimes within myself that I must be a personal trainer and do one-to-one to to have the credibility and do the thing that I love with the community as well. But actually going through lockdown, I realized I, yes, I do love the one-to-one, but I am all about community. And Mm. that is really what I want to focus on. And I want to actually raise the game within the industry as well Mm. as serve my community. So I work at Victor Soul. I mm-hmm. deliver dual concept um, strength based on the floor and running treadmills as well. So mm-hmm. that's where the majority of my time is. I've been there. They are the first studio that believed in me. They were the mm-hmm. first ones that didn't put me through this audition ordeal, I'd like to call it, and say, no, I you don't look right at the end. Ordeal. Yeah, it's an ordeal because let me tell you, you are the one of two people that have been through every step of the auditions and the knockbacks with me. So, you know, and it is an ordeal because you had to pick me up every single time. So this was the first studio that never made me feel like I was being judged for anything other than my coaching ability. The Mm. first place ever. And it was clear. And I did, ironically, I actually didn't get through originally because they were right. I still hadn't found myself and I was still terrified to deliver a class. You know, mm. I'd never taught, let alone dual concept and managing mm. lights, being the MC, being a DJ. I mean, it's no. A whole, it's a whole, it's a, it's a whole like, new world. It's a whole mood. Like, no, exactly. All those bits. Yeah. yeah, as a whole different thing. So, yeah. um, and, you know, they, they gave me this opportunity to just deliver one last hurrah class um, that I should keep on practicing and stay in touch with them. But they gave me, you know, the chance to do the class. So I decided to fill it with every single person that knows me and it took two minutes to fill because I am all about community and I Mm. have got strong network and I think at first they were like you are the only trainer that has got a wait list what on earth is going on (laughs) and I had this trial class and within five minutes the owner came up to me and just said just so you know you are doing great because I I must have vibed off everyone and I thought if this is the last time I'm going to do this I'm bringing everybody in so that's where I started. And I was given what everybody classed as the graveyard shift Friday night, one class. Uh-huh. And here we are today. And I'm a master trader at Victor Soul. Ta-da! Ta-da! And what, <laughs> what, was that, what was that period of time from start to? Um, it's been 20 months. 20 months. 22 Amazing. months. Sorry, 22. Yeah, just short of two years. Yeah. So do you know who that reminds me of in terms of like that quick turnaround you know Kaya don't you yes I adore her yeah she's a dream and you know she she was on the podcast a few episodes ago and in both of you you know where you want to go and you go what do I need to do to get there and it's always it's always head down, focus, be the best that I can fucking be. Excuse my French. I feel really sweary today. You are. <laughs> it's okay. It's because you brought up the summit and now I'm thinking <laughs> of those those girls and I'm like, I oh, know. it's just so delicious. The growth of I everyone know. is so delicious. I but the common The common theme is this is what I want. The big point, this is who I want to serve. 
yeah. because that's the why and that's the focus. And this is what I'm going to do to get there. And yeah. your turnaround has been epic. What you've achieved in that short space of time, I'm just like jaw to the floor. And oh. it was the same thing with Kaya. I was like, so wait, sorry, what? You did what in how much time? And she's yeah. like, yeah, no, I just, when I want something, I go and I get it. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, and as you know, and, and for so many, particularly, you know, female coaches, and I got a message actually from an incredible, 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 he works with um, GB athletes, this guy, and he sent me a message maybe last week or the week before, who works with powerlifters, and he was just like the self-doubt, like I doubted myself for years. And when I look at what he puts out, when I look at his content, I'm like, holy hell, like, how did you ever doubt yourself? So men and women, it's both, but it's particularly with female coaches, this kind of self-doubt, can I do it? Do I know enough? And it's just Mm. like, you know what, forget all of that and just flipping go. And you will get some dickheads along the way. And I know you've had many, as have I, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and you're just like, for God's sake. And invariably, it's yeah. always a pile of rubbish anyway. Yeah, but I think you, know. you need them. You need them. Yeah, you need, you the, need the experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Because you need to learn how to know how to deal with them. And, you know, sometimes if I look back and reflect on various experiences, you're like, oh, my God. Like, now I completely would have said something different or reacted differently. But you have to go through it, don't you? It's part of the process. Absolutely. Okay, so now that we know where you came from, now that we know where you are. Can I just tell you one more thing on top of that? Because we talked about Victor Soul, but the other beautiful... Oh, yes. No, it's okay. But the other beautiful part of the circle is that that first time, obviously, I saw T up there and inspired by her, I'm now working for her as her strength coach for Force Velocity Tribe, which is, you know, that is beyond my wildest dreams. It's delicious just to have... (laughs) access and to be working with one of the best yeah T is and you might remember from that first summit when T spoke mm-hmm. and she was the last to speak mm-hmm. and I know how that feels because sometimes I think I'm better at it now but there were points when I used to speak on panels or wherever I was just like oh my god I'm dying until I sort of worked through how to how to do that and just how to feel, you know, whatever speaking. And it got to T and she was the last one. And she spoke about herself within about 30 seconds. And that was it. And she completely downplayed herself. Yeah. And I was a bit irate with her at the time. So I was like, T, you're, you're, don't just downplay yourself like that. But, but I know she was sitting in discomfort on that panel at the time. Yeah. But that's why it's so wonderful to see where she is now. And I think whilst I, you know, am completely in awe of, you know, your timing and, and absolutely it's not been a, you know, I know you've been in the industry for, two two and a half years but your whole backstory are part of obviously who you are, is a part of sorry who you are now whereas with T it's been a long slow build mm. and anything sooner and she would not have been who she is now do you know what I mean so 100. I think everyone's journey and the timing of that 
is so very different yeah. and, and it's why it's so important to again just as Michelle says you know slay in your lane like the speed yeah. at which you do things it's on your time yes. not anyone else's don't worry about you know anyone skyrocketing wherever do your yeah. thing in 100. you know your time and I think tea is really testament to that as well and that is a beautiful completion of that of yeah. that circle so what would you say industry wise coach wise what's been a big lesson for you so many the first one uh the thing that I had to do right at the beginning before I actually started working is you face your fears you realize yeah. that failing is winning because you're learning you're banking every single moment you think you're failing and you're not it is going through that audition process and thinking I was failing every single time, you know, it was the best thing for me. And you realize it's not failing, it's experience. It's job Mm. experience. You don't have to get it in the role, but those auditions, those interviews, that's all part of the experience. Mm. And that's something that I learned along the way. Secondly, listening to others and you know, actually asking for feedback and genuinely wanting to hear it, not for the good, but to actually ask for an honest critique. I think so many Mm. people, and it's interesting, you know, we've talked about, yes, I've only been in this industry two minutes, but if I wasn't doing it later on in life, I don't think I would Mm. have had the thick skin and resilience to get through it. You know, Mm. I can take anything, any critique now you give me, I can take it. And it's because I know how to listen to something subjectively to respect that person's opinion, but take Mm. from it what I want. So this industry is notorious for those that want to give you their critique when it's not asked for, but also Mm. you're exposed to your class past reviews. You have people telling you to your face that they don't like you. You have that judgment. And I remember, I don't feel it so much now, but when I started, you know, through that audition process and then into the first year of coaching, I felt that pressure, that judgment really weigh on me every single day. I would avidly check the class pass review for that bad review and let it sink my heart. Like, and Mm. I had to go through that to learn, okay, well, what could you have done better? You know, and so that's my thing. You know, the thing that you've taught us in terms of reviewing, I do that after every class now. I have Mm. to write down how I could do things better, but then I let it go. It won't play on me. Yeah. I'll I'll take five minutes after class, have a little breather, Mm. but it will not weigh on me. Um, And Mm. it will just make me better next time. So I think learning and listening from others. And my absolute biggest thing, you're becoming a coach. You need a coach. You need a mentor. Mm-hmm. I am very, very lucky to have you as my biggest mentor, alongside with my coach, Courts, obviously, yeah. my biggest fans. But not only that, you make your colleagues, your mentors, your people that you surround yourself with, like you have to experience from others. And, you know, I'll never forget the time you once told us on Be The Change, where you can find mentorship from those that are only one or two years ahead of you as well Mm. as those that are 15 years ahead of you. Mm. And I remember thinking you're actually absolutely right because I learned so much from those that are close to me in terms of industry experience. Mm. And 
you know, I will go to other people's classes. That's how you get experience. Mm. So decide on what you want. If you want to be a PT, get on the gym floor and do whatever's needed. I also did that at the beginning. I was Mm. there working from 6am till 10pm in a gym studio because strength and conditioning is a massive part of my offering as a coach. Mm. And I realized that I'm not going to get the experience I need unless I'm surrounded watching other coaches. That's another one you taught me. Ah, I just remembered that you told me get on the gym floor. And I used to do that three days a week. And I would watch the other PTs. I'd watch how they were coaching whilst I was rolling my legs out or or doing some mobility work, taking notes, notes, (laughs) mental notes. Yeah. What's she doing? Oh, little do you know? (laughs) Little do you know? No, I never had my phone. I would just observe and take it all in. And, you know, even little things like knowing how to, wrap the weights and not look like an idiot you know or yeah. chop your fingers off it's it's all in how you appear as a coach they're the little things getting experience and exposure is so important and the same with classes you know I go to so many boutique fitness classes because I'm learning from every mm. single coach I go to so I think that's really mm. clear and then I think the biggest one for me is being clear on who you are and what you want like you said your identity yeah. your values it's all wrapped up in your why and your purpose and Mm. it's only when you set that can you have your goals and your vision without your purpose you have no idea where you're going and I think that's when you have power as a coach Mm. you know for me that and I've only just got there bearing in mind you know I know you talk about you know what you want I it's taken me like literally lockdown was the time I decided I know exactly what I'm going to focus on my vision is clear. I know who my audience is. I know what they deserve. I need to make myself a better coach to give them what they need. And that's Mm. when I realized that, yes, there is power in saying yes to things, but equally there is opportunity and no. So Mm. now if something isn't aligned to my purpose or it conflicts with my values that are all written down, then it's an absolute no. And I could not have that clear identity of where I'm going. I still get coaches saying, but how do you always know what you want? How do you know where you're going? It's because I've got my purpose. I've got my values. I know who I am as a brand and everything is aligned now moving forward. I will not sacrifice those values for any deal. You could give me a million pound deal to do something. I will not do it if it's not aligned. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's so important, Mm. so very important. And also, you know, the idea around asking for feedback because, you know, it's lovely when people say lovely things, that's lovely, but tell me the shit that I can improve, (laughs) you know, and that's not being negative because, you know, people say lovely things and that's really nice, Mm. but I want to know what, what I can improve on. I mean, I'll never forget when I did the talk at Stylist. (laughs) And there I was on stage with my post-it notes and I came down off the stage. I didn't care about the good stuff. (laughs) I was like, tell me, what could I improve? That was my first question. And you were like, Jocelyn, were those post-it notes in your (laughs) head? And I was like, yes, they were. (laughs) Can we lose the post-it notes, Jocelyn? 
Yeah. <laughs> um, the thing is, you posted a picture, and I, I saw people like, we love your post it. So, who am I to judge? <laughs> it's that events background. You're like, yep, that yep. shit is not going to fly. But yeah, that feedback piece. And I do think that within that lies a huge amount of fear for a lot of coaches because often they are worried about doing things because they're afraid of the feedback that they're going to get. And you know me, you know how I feel about this. You're always going to get some dick coach come along Mm -hmm. and impart their knowledge on you, even if you need it or not. But if you do have somebody who actually gives a damn about you Mm -hmm. and that they help you be open to making the mistakes, I still make mistakes 17 years in. And I, it might feel shit at the time. And I'm like, okay, cool. Four question review. What went well? What would I do differently? That's the key point. Yeah. How does this give me confidence? How does it make me feel better prepared? Yeah. Done. Done. Move on. Yeah. That's it. No one died. We're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's one that Kimmy told me, actually. She's like, Jocelyn, when the shit gets hard, just tell yourself, no one died. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, okay, cool. You know, and that's one of my mantras because my dad used to tell me that. And I was somebody who would procrastinate and overthink everything. I still do to a certain degree, but I think I've got a lot better. And mm. I stressed about every single thing, pure perfectionist issues. And mm. I remember him saying on the eve of my GCSEs, he was just like, we have this issue. Every time you do exams, you get yourself into such a state. And he's like, I just want to ask you, if you do these exams and if you fail them all, which you're not going to do, but if you don't get the results that you don't want, what's going to happen? And I remember looking at him thinking, well, I don't know. I'll just carry on doing my A-levels. And he was like, right, there you go. The mm. fact that nothing is going to change. You're not going to mm. die. You mm. carry on. And like, I've always kept that with me, always. Mm. Mm because it just gets in the way otherwise doesn't it gets Mm. in the way of you moving moving forward yeah Um, how do you know when you're making the right decisions my gut and my heart 100 (laughs) percent. my heart is my like I call it my guiding map my gut is Mm. that moral compass and they never ever let me down I sometimes Mm. question them and I do the opposite and then the universe is like okay, this is all going to go wrong. You're going to learn the hard way. And that is always what happens. Every time I make a decision that goes against my gut and my heart, I always learn that I should have trusted Mm. it. So yeah, Mm. always, always. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Good, Mm. easy enough to answer. Same thing, yeah. I trust my gut like you would not believe. Like if there's any doubt, any, 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 any doubt, it's a no. My gut is my guiding light, yes. the end. And if I do need clarity anywhere, I'll speak to you. Mm-hmm. I'll speak to BJ. Mm-hmm. I'll speak to, you know, you know, Nita. I might yeah. speak to Michelle. Yeah. Like there are yeah. different people for different areas of my life where I'm like, they're going to bring me clarity. Yes. Uh, or, you know, exactly. my mom is just like, ah, sure, it'll all work out in the end. <laughs> you know, just kind of like, it's cool. Don't worry about it. And she's always right as well. Yes. You know, what still frustrates you now? 
so much. Where do, start? Where do I start? <laughs> I should, you know what? I have got better at managing my frustrations because it's so easy to get caught up in that. Yeah. And you have to let it go and you just have to do what you think's right. But I think, I mean, for me, there's a few biggies. Like to start off, the fitness narrative in itself. It really bothers me. There's two parts to that. There's the perception and the message. The perception of there is this image and this association with what fitness and strength look like. And I'm just so damn tired of seeing Mm. that perception that society has created, that we are conditioned to believe. And it's something, you know, having gone through lockdown and BLM, I've had to do a lot of, we all have gone through a process of soul searching. And I mm. realized that this perception, actually, it has affected me since childhood, but I just never realized it. And I realized that that perception, that ideal has been so, you know, I don't know, part of me. But mm. often those self-doubts, that's not other people not believing me. You know, the auditions where they said things, I think a lot of it has come from me as well, like projecting Mm. it. So I Mm. want to change that perception and I want to change the message around what fitness is for. It's not just Mm. about aesthetics. Yeah. That's Mm. a byproduct. That's great. Mm. You can absolutely have that as a goal. I'm here for it. Mm. Um, But that is not what true fitness and true strength is about. There are Mm. so many other reasons and my own journey has shown me that actually it's the other reasons that are what fitness is about. It's all about the mindset. It's how it empowers you to just live life with Mm. a fitness mindset. And for me, you know, taking that into the coaching world, you know, I want to represent that. So my image in itself, you'll never see me rocking out a six pack like it's just not Mm. gonna happen and we really have to be cool about that everybody but I will represent the girl that you know will deadlift 100 and show you how Mm. you know so Mm. well maybe not in the moment injuries (laughs) but you know you, you get my vibe but you'll also see me running on that treadmill and owning my lower speed or owning the pace that I own, but not mm. having to struggle or want to keep up with anyone that's going faster than me. So I want yeah. others to feel that comfort. And mm. for me, translating that into the coaching environment, it's so important that I always create an environment that makes people feel so empowered to set their own intentions for that session. Like I will never mm. assume I know your purpose when you're walking Mm. into my room and I let Mm. them figure that out. That is the biggest thing for me at the start of class, you know, and not tying fitness and movement to calories and burning and Mm. getting shredded. Like there's other things. So Mm. there's that narrative that needs to change, you know, for representation, it makes me sad that I can only count three coaches on one hand that are Indian or Mm. Asian, you know, it really, it bothers me now Mm. and Mm. I think that you know that again this goes back to also where are my community where are my Mm. fellow Indians working out I want that Mm. to change because I know what it's like growing up you know where Mm. education and you know sometimes that story of Indian girl she's going to get married by she's 25 she's going to have a baby before she's 27 oh yeah she's going to hold a household down and she's also going to be the best accountant lawyer doctor 
whatever. Yeah. Like, my, all of that, yeah. yeah, all of that. Like, I want to change that. I am very mm. thankful. I've not had to grow up with that. But mm. my, I still had this perception, like, to be happy, you've got to be married and have kids. Mm. You know, my life hasn't gone that way. But I want to represent fitness and strength. And I want others to get involved, like start working out and realizing there's more to life. And through mm. fitness, you can do that. And then lastly, something I think, again, has only just come out more recently is um, industry standards. Like a bit mm. of me is a bit hesitant to say this because I've only been in the game two minutes and I'm sure there's going to be like Bob out there that's thinking, eh, you've only been in the industry two seconds. Let me DM you and put you straight. But here's my thing. Tell Bob to go and Bob off. Bob, Bob off. <laughs> there's so many branches within this industry so you've got your pts you've got your group x you've got but you've also now got fitness bloggers and Mm -hmm. that in itself is a whole career but there's i feel like there's not enough distinction and i would love to be part of the journey that starts to raise that industry standard because that entry level into the industry is low and half the problem is it's pretty easy to get your qualification like i was horrified not a long time ago, I saw an online deal to qualify within three weeks. And I was like, what? How? Mm. So for me, that's just a whole industry within itself, even the qualification side. Like that's a very easy, like if you want to make some money real quick, set up a PT course and, you know, put people through it and guarantee them that they're going to pass. Like that's a real, like if, if, if you want to make some money real quick, do that. Because yeah. that's a whole thing in itself. And again, that's just, and you know, it's not, I'm not saying that, you know, all PT qualification courses are that. Absolutely no. not. There are so many now. And the promise that within a short amount of time, you too can become a PT and you don't even have to move away from your computer to learn how. And that's an issue. And you pay the same amount of money that you would have to pay to do the hands on course as yes. well and that's you know yeah anyway we won't yeah we won't go. no and I mean the thing is it's not within necessarily my remit or vision to change that but sure. I can certainly be part of it through mentorship you know mm-hmm. I want to see better coaches out there and I want to better myself along the way so for me that's making sure that I'm always constantly being mentored and learning from those that I really respect within the industry, but also, you know, I've learned so much in terms of how to make that boutique experience better. You know, part of my values is education and quality movement. And I'm going to all these classes. Yes, I'm learning from trainers, but I'm also learning what I don't want to see. You know, Mm. I don't want to see a two minute mobility piece and then straight away pick up what 14 kgs and start deadlifting. What? Mm -hmm. No. So you know, applying that sort of PT mind and that education, again, something I've learned through you and actually having, getting the opportunity to work with you and seeing how you approached it, I can now apply that to the boutique industry and what I'm delivering with hit and run and and strength Mm. and conditioning there. And I think, you know, with these frustrations, you like you can get caught up in it and you can judge, but that's not going to take you anywhere. You just have to start doing it and you just have to represent the change that you want to see in this Mm. industry. And let's just start with that. And that's what I focused on, you know, really coming out of lockdown. I've just been so clear. I was very quiet during lockdown, but 
very, very clear now. Now I'm being loud. Mm, amazing. I love that. Turn up that volume. Yeah. Um, finally, your vision in 30 seconds. I'm going to do a Michelle. I'm giving you a countdown. Mission. To break all barriers to fitness. That is my absolute mission in life, regardless yeah. of age, size, ability. Every single body is an athlete. We are all there. Mm. That's what true fitness mm. is. That's my mm. vision. Love that. Love that. Love that. Love that. Mm. Naya, delicious. I mean, oh. Delicious. What an honor to be <laughs> on your podcast. I'm just, I'm shook. <laughs> Where can people find you, my darling? At neha.ldn. I always have to spell it out because no one will ever get it. It's nea.ldn. And I'm teaching mm-hmm. at Victor Soul and Force Velocity Tribe at the moment. Mm. And eyes peeled for maybe another studio that might be coming along in the not too distant future. Fantastic. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, 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 so very much. Keep absolutely doing what you are doing because it is such an inspiration to watch and take as many coaches along with you as you can because the change that you want to see, like it's absolutely, it's happening and you are such a big, big part of that. So keep doing what you're doing, my darling. Thank you so very much. I cannot wait to Thank see you. you. I can't squeeze you. I can't wait. I'm not going to let wait. go. <laughs> um, thank you so much, I love my you. love. Thank, thank you. you. See you soon. Bye. Bye.